He's a warrior princess. I will marry only the man who can defeat me. Had the time of my life. Okay. And I never felt this way before. So she was like, you judgy judgerson. Is an elephant load a load that's equivalent to the weight of an elephant or a load that an elephant can carry? Important question. She's like, (laughs) what if I invade them? Is it worth conquering? Would I get stuff? Would I get like more spices? Why are there no first-hand accounts yes. from the actual people of yes. this kingdom? Was it all made up? The entire book? It really captures the imagination, right? Yeah. It's like if someone in the royal family turned out to be a crossfitter. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it like in Arabic, you pronounce the H with a little... Like, Rihla. Rihla. Something like Ahmed. Ahmed. Bahrain. Lakhaim. Sorry, for us actually it has been a while we've recorded we've had life happen (laughs) (laughs) as it tends to do we have we have had life happen we have had global events happen oh god there's been a global pandemic that's been going on do you always wonder i always wonder like if in the future i love how you said that as if we're like back in 2020 i know like like... back in 2020 (laughs) we're in the pandemic we're still in the pandemic but i always wonder if like years later because sometimes i hear i listen to podcasts that were done like five years ago and six years ago and I was like, oh no, you have no idea what's happening. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> and so, L- little do they know. Right? Like, so I always wonder, like, what, what this is going to be like five, ten years from now. Who knows? Right? Let's, let's introduce a podcast. First. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Gods Must Be Crazy podcast. <laughs> as you can tell, we got distracted. We did, as we do. ADHD podcast. What's um, the Gods Must Be Crazy? The Gods Must Be Crazy is a podcast about Philippine mythology and folklore. I am Anima. And I'm Ice. And this episode is Ooh, something what are we gonna talk we're about? very excited about. Speaking about point in time, it is now March uh, 2022. And it is International Women's Month with International Women's Day coming up next week. Mm-hmm. And so in the past, we've talked about you know prominent figures in... Philippine history mythology that were strong women figures. Shout out to Catch Up Sessions <laughs> with Mark. Um, and he asked us before doing a live stream, do you guys choose women figures on purpose? Like strong women figures on purpose? And we said, I guess. I, mean, I don't recall that yeah. question. I remember because it was one of our first ones, right? Because we had the red, the, the oh, yeah, spider we did. one. We did um, Inaginid. We did Manananga. And the Manananga. So we, we have talked about That's women, true. women, prominent women in, in general in the podcast. So, I mean, I think it's such a rich That's rich interesting because there's an upcoming Minnesota. Really? That may also be... I'm so excited. International I'm so excited. We're very anyway. thematic. I mean, we're anyway. women. So we'll talk about what we know, right? So this time, I want to talk about a story that I think is fairly famous about one of the first Filipino heroes, and her name is Princess Orduha. Princess Urduha. Urduha. U-R-D-U-J-A. Urduha. And there's a lot of controversy about her. Is that the real spelling? Because that sounds like a Spanish spelling. You know what it is? It's it's a mishmash of spellings because mm-hmm. the accounts that we're going to be looking at... Because we don't pronounce J as H. Yeah, it's in, a Spanish one. In Filipino or in yeah. Tagalog. Is she a Tagalog princess? Pangasina, Pangasinan. Pangasinense. Yeah, Pangasinense. Central Luzon. Yes, but Pangasinan didn't exist as Pangasinan back then. Pangasinan was part of this whole, this whole Southeast Asian kingdom. Okay. So this was so so I'll jump into it. Princess right. Urduha, right? Princess so, Urduha. Princess Urduha. She is 
a legendary warrior princess. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. As always. As always. Who is our peg? How do we visualize her? Our peg for this. Okay, so there have been two movies that have been made about Princess Urduha. The first one was in the 70s and it was Amalia Fuentes. And she is like super white. She's like part Spanish because she's a mulak. Okay. Right? Or part German. So she's a mulak. So that will not take that. We respect Amalia Fuentes, but we are not taking that. Okay. The other one was a cartoon that was made Regine was Regine the voice Velasquez. right but her, what she looks like is actually she's usually described as tall and beautiful with golden bronze skin so she's not light skinned so for me I think Angel Aquino are we talking again. like Pia words back maybe but she's a warrior no words back is, is she's she's pale she's you know Catriona Gray is also pale Venus Ra Venus Ra okay. Venus Ra is who I have in mind because it's a Polynesian it's a it's a Javanese Sumatran, Javanese, yeah, yeah. But she's tall, she's dark skinned, and she has long luscious hair. Ew, okay. Yeah, long luscious hair. So Princess so, Arduha, hmm. the records that most mention her and were actually one of the few primary records is written by a guy, and I'll talk about him later. Ibn Batuta. Mm-hmm. Ibn Batuta was a guy who was the most traveled prehistorical explorers of the world. Prehistorical meaning what period? Meaning 1304. That's not prehistorical. That's what he's called prehistoric. Okay, so 1304. (laughs) Yeah, so 1304 to... Oh yeah, he was an Arab Berber Maghrebi scholar who traveled extensively in Afro- Eurasia, largely in the lands of Dar al-Islam, okay. traveling more than any, sorry, not prehistoric, pre-modern. Okay, yeah, because if they're written records, it's historical. Really. Yes, true, true. Sorry. It's okay. It's Dirty okay. correction. So, the the highest, <laughs> the records we're getting and the, the account that we're mentioning that is one of the primary sources is from Ibn Batuta, who okay. is an Arab Berber Maghrebi scholar who traveled extensively in the lands of Afro-Eurasia. And he's traveled more than Zheng He and Marco Polo. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so he traveled anywhere from... Uh, and Orduha specifically lived in the Pangasinan area. See, that's But it. it was in a place that wasn't called the Philippines. Yes, because this happened in around the 1300s. Possibly mm. between 1368 or mm. 1377. Wait, so he witnessed it himself? He met her. He met her? Yeah, so it's not wow. like a story he heard. He met her. Wow. He met her and that, that's his account. So, yeah. so I wanted to contextualize like what does 1368 to 1377 look like to the rest of the world? Mm. Like what all else was happening to the rest of the mm. world during this time? Just so we have a context of was it like... It wasn't cave people, but it wasn't super, super. It was medieval. It was medieval. Dark ages. Dark ages. The plague had just ended. Mm. The first plague had just ended. In China, it was was pre-Tudor, right? Pre-Tudor, yes. From a European standpoint. It was still like... Sorry. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was was still the Hundred Years' War. It was in the middle of the Hundred Years' War. Okay. Um, So in China, for example, it was the middle of the Ming Dynasty. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was established by... Which was one of the most prosperous dynasties. Yes, it was a, a hugely long dynasty. There was a rebellion during this time against uh, the Ming dynasty. The emperor of the Ming dynasty, by the way, was the only emperor to be born to a peasant family. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to jump into that, but yeah. that's something different. In, like, I'm very interested, but I'm pulling a lot of questions. I know, I okay. know. Because I did not do that We have research. to stay on topic. We have okay. to stay on topic. So there has been a lot of rebellions in Europe. The Huguenots begin the construction of the fortress of the Bastille in Paris. Mm-hmm. They were just starting building it. And the crossbow was first used as a weapon of war. Oh, wow. Yeah. The mechanical clock was invented around this time. And the first public clocks were made just before the plague. And then by this time, by 1370, mechanical clocks were like in modern use. So people had like clocks in in the world every day. In terms of schools, the new college of Oxford was founded in England. 
by the way, not Oxford itself, because Oxford itself was founded in 1096. So the new college was built 300 years later around okay. this time. So extension mm-hmm. of it was built. So that's like sort of a context of around the world, what was happening. In South America, there were things happening also. There was a new king, mm-hmm. a new kingdom, and a new dynasty. What about Spain? Was Spain like circumnavigating? Not yet, right? Because Spain was came... part of the Hundred Years' War. Yeah, so yeah. they only started doing like all of those extensive like travels like 1400s to 1500s and 1520s when they yep. got here yeah mm. yep yep 1521 okay so this was a good 200 years so this was an arab came. explorer arab uh, berber explorer so so let me tell you about urduha herself first i'll tell you her story and i'll tell you his part in the story all right okay so urduha is to your question the indianized name uh, it's an indianized arabic slash so People are, are debating about Urduha. Is she a unique person or is she another person with a similar name? Mm-hmm. So the Indianized name is Urduha, but it appears to be Sanskrit in origin. And as we said, there was a lot of Indian influences and Hindu influences in the Philippines. Okay. It seems to be a variation of the name Uduya, meaning arise or rising sun. Or mm. Uduya is which language? It's Sanskrit. Okay. Yeah. Or the name Urja uh-huh. means meaning energy, life force, or breath. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the historical reference of Urduha is first done by Ibn Batuta. Okay. Yep. And he was he was a Moroccan. Like he he lived he's from modern day Morocco. Okay. At that, that time, he was a Muslim traveler. So she is described to be the princess of the K Lukari in the land of Tawalisi. Now. What is Tawalisi? Mm-hmm. It's not a place that, that that seems to exist now. I've heard it somewhere. I know, right? So it's it's highly disputed, right? So it it says it's widely believed to be Pangasinan. The basis of that I'll talk about a little bit later. But essentially, Jose Rizal did a bit of like forensic investigation, you know. Forensic? Sort of, like sort of. Ibn Batuta said it took him nine days to travel from Tawalisi to China. And so he said that would put him around Pangasinan. And then they describe in the stories the gifts and the produce that were in Urduha's kingdom. Nine days to travel from Tawalisi to China, China. by boat. By boat, oh. And that's why Rizal extrapolated. Roughly, this is the area. Where okay, it would be. okay. Yeah. So, and then other things like, and, and, and I'm saying like, it's like forensic agriculture too, because they looked at the animal um, and the fruits and vegetables that were described in the stories. And they said, oh, this could be in this area and this could be in that area. So it's very interesting how they were like a, like an archeological yeah. deep dive. Yes, okay, yes. cool. So the guesses of which has been, Pangasinan is of course the prevailing theory. Port. Yes. At the at the western side of the central Luzon yes. area. Yes. Right. There also are still theories that it could be in Sulu, which is far, 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 far That's south. Very it's far. too far, I think. Sulu uh, is at the like bottom area of Mindanao. Already. It's almost Indonesia. Yeah. Other theories are Cambodia, Cochin China, which is Guangdong now, mm-hmm. and practically every island in South Yeah, because Asia. if you're saying from China, then yeah. that gives you multiple ports to get out yeah. of firstly, and then multiple directions with which to measure the nine day. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So it has to be a triangulation, I guess. So let's go to her herself, like Urduha herself. Like I mentioned, she had... She's very tall, she has dark skin, golden bronze skin, straight dark, dark luscious hair, and deep dark colored eyes. She is clad in gold and is adept in sword fighting and horseback it. riding. She's a warrior princess. She's the leader of the warrior women of her tribe, the Kinalakihan. Kinalakihan is the name of the warrior oh. warrior like segment of their tribe. Kinalakihan. Apart from being a warrior, she was mm. described to be brave, smart, and kind-hearted. Mm-hmm. And she was a polyglot. Oh wow. She's Which a, means she knows multiple languages. Yes. She can speak multiple languages. Yes. And so it was actually a common characteristic among the nobles in pre-colonial. You'd um, have to, wouldn't you? Because they would probably trade. be well trade, but also remember even within the Philippine islands, there's so many, we call them dialects, but really they're different languages. Yeah, yeah. And even today. And if you had like an expanding kingdom, you couldn't convert their language mm-hmm. anyway. Or yeah. they they didn't used to practice that, like converting to a unified language, right? No. That wasn't really a thing. It wasn't a concept. It wasn't. So they would just like... If you wanted to... They would thrive. borrow words. Yeah. 
but people would generally keep their yeah. original language. Or like if you believe, I mean, if you believe the History Channel dramatizations, they have like a dude who knew different languages and just brought him along, mm. you know. So anyway, so this is the story, Princess Erduha, and I love that our friend Jordan Clark put together this really nice succession of events that helps set the scene for Princess Erduha. Because like you wonder, has fem- female warrior things been a common occurrence back in the day or was there something that happened, you know? So apparently, with the rise and prominence of the Sri Visayan Empire, and so Sri is Indian influence, Ooh. there was a Sri Visayan Empire so from the 16th to the 13th centuries. There were a lot of wars that from needed to happen. From the 16th to the 13th? 6th to 13th. Okay. 6th to th- and The wars yeah. between the Visayan Tribes Empire. In the Sri Visayan Empire. So okay. Within, and that's a different kingdom than hers. She is within that empire. Because Pangasinan is in the So Tawalisi is part of that empire. Yes. Okay, got yes. it. And when we say Sri Visayan, it doesn't mean just Visayan. It's just that it was yeah. those part- participating nations. So because of the war, the population of men was depleted. Makes sense. Because of like, this is a couple of, this is like 700 years of war. And so of course in time, women folks by necessity in the scarcity of available men had to take the place of men in the battlefield. So they became, they came to develop the high art of warfare to preserve their political state. So about 700 years ago, when Spangasinan was a kingdom, there was a famous woman ruler in that dominion. That was Princess Erdua. She's a good warrior and she personally led her soldiers into the battlefield. Mm. She wasn't just like a figurehead, right? Her retinue, and I love this because this gives me like great visuals, consisted of women and men skilled in arms, riding in horses with well well-built and well-developed bodies. They were ripped. Of course. They were like ripped. And so they had prodigious strength and they actually had a masculine physique. So another word for their group, which is Kanilakian, is the Kalakian or Amazon. So they were also called Amazons. Ah, so Kinalakian is not about like like big laki, but like lalaki. Yes, I think. Because remember laki meaning man. Kalaki. What's the name of the first Sikalak. name? Sikalak. Sikalak. Mm. So that could also be... True. That's it, actually. Yeah, yeah. right? Sikalak. Sikinalakihan. So Not that... being linguists ourselves. That's our most we don't know. educated guess. Always. Yes, we're all guessing. So, of course, you know, she's a woman. Kinalakihan. So, parang, so it's like they, they're the more masculine... Of women. Of women. I guess. Interesting. Right? Huh. Or women who became more manly. Mm. Pizza! Pizza! <laughs> Pause. So, the women who were like men or something. Yeah, the yeah. women who were like men. So, of course, if if kingdoms are, are made and destroyed through war, unions and alliances are needed. And how are unions made? Through marriage. And so, of course, in many, mm. many a story... Marriage is still an important aspect to it. A lot of men have heard of this beautiful and strong woman. And so a lot of suitors went to Pangasinan to seek the hand of Urduha. But Urduha, and again, this is one of my things that I can totally be on board with. She said, I will marry only the man who can defeat me. Okay. My husband must be braver, stronger, and wiser than myself. That reminds me of which Greek myth is that? Huh. Diana? No, she never took a spouse. But it's similar to a story in Norse mythology of uh, of Lagatha mm. that a suitor of hers had to defeat their family's okay. defender. So she said she could only have someone. But you know, there is a similarity in one Southeast Asian story which I will talk about later. Okay. Too. And okay. it's a bit of a controversy as okay. well on this story. So back to... Ba- back to Urduha. She will only be somewhat with someone who is who defeats her. No one qualified to her demands. And so she was unmarried her whole life. Wait, so no one... Tra- a no lot one, of people tried, yeah. but no one could defeat no her. No one could defeat her. Because she was just simply that strong. Yeah, she was so just... So our peg needs to be like Hidelin Diaz or yes. like Luisa. Hidelin Diaz is fantastic. <laughs> right? Hidelin Diaz. Or like Luisa. Luisa from Encanto. That oh <laughs> yeah, that's our peg. Okay. Hidelin okay. Diaz 
So she was Gold not married her nope. whole entire nope. life. Nope. Are you telling me that like when she was like fifty, mm-hmm. sixty years old, she was still like single? I love it. Although and no knowing, one could defeat her. Knowing the society though, they would. But the, but it they was, stopped trying after a certain. Yeah, they stopped trying her. because they stopped wanting to be defeated by a woman. Mm. So her bravery and by skill, an old lady. No by less. an old lady, yeah. So when her mother died. Her mother was the ruler at the time, I think. She became the ruler of the Pangasinan region. And she was like, she, ro- she ruled well and wisely. But she was, again, as I mentioned, she was not only beautiful, intelligent, but she was also very kind. And one of her policies was to introduce the best of other countries to adapt to her own. Okay. So she was very seek and reapply. <laughs> seek and reapply. And so she was interested in a lot of foreign affairs. All for right. the betterment of her own kingdom. So she loved hearing stories about India, which they call the pepper country. Aww. Which I like that. So here comes our explorer, Mr. Okay. Ibn Batula. He was on his way to China. Mm-hmm. And he stopped by her kingdom. And he, he was a Muslim explorer. According to her custom, she always says like, Hey, new ship, come to my house. Come to my kingdom and come to my banquet. But then he refused to go because they had holy men with them. They were Arab and they had holy men with them. And they could not eat their food because they were infidels. And the princess, of course, was offended. Mm. And so she summoned him and she surprised him because when he arrived, so he arrived, they, they, he just didn't bring the rest of the, the, the crew mm. to eat. The princess, when he saw her, was robed uh, in her richest and best, decked with precious stones, surrounded all by her brave and loyal men and women. And she talked to her visitor in Arabic. And this alone proved that she was a Muslim, that she knew her Quran and she knew Arabic. And she said, you, priest, I've had you brought here by my guards because... Of all the ship's company, you were scorned by my you. You alone scored my invitation. So the the Ibn Batula's priest she was addressing. You told your captain Ibn Batula that we, the people of Northern Luzon, are infidels, and that it would be against the prophets for law for you, a holy man, to eat our food or haram. You behold about me seated ar- around my throne, the elderly ladies who are my counselors. Do their chairs of sandalwood, does my silk canopied and gold-plated throne suggest a court of barbarous people? She essentially said, I'm gonna bilhin ko Look at this gold. No, because, this yeah, silk. basically they, they said infidels were like barbarians, yeah. right? Like they were not advanced enough to like, have religion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and then she said, and then she said, I greeted you with the usual salutations of courtesy in the Turkish tongue and had one of my attendants fetch ink and paper so I could write for you the Arabic characters that you recognize as the name of the merciful and compassionate God. So, are, are such tokens of culture common around barbarians? <laughs> this reminds me of like, you know, in The King and I, yeah. it's the same thing. He was like, We'll hold a ball. We'll show them who's barbarian. Mm-hmm. We'll dance. We'll dance one, two, three, and one, two, three. So, so when, she was Muslim as well. She was Muslim, okay. it seems. When my father, Dalisai, that was her king, her, her dad, her king was named Dalisai, which is funny because Dalisai is like a female name now. It sounds a feminine name now. Yeah, yeah. Dalisai, I have to double check this, but it means pure. Dalisai means like calm. Calm, yeah. And serene. Yeah, we have a a tita named Delisai. So when my father Delisai, the aged king, by whose name you called his kingdom, was a young... Oh wait, you're right, no. Delisai means pure. Okay. I thought pure was like busilak. Busilak is... Delisai means real, true, pure, Mm -hmm. frank, Mm -hmm. sincere. Mm -hmm. It feels like very different meanings. Right? Okay. Anyway, anyway, so when her father Delisai was young, he there was another priest of another faith from Europe who went to their kingdom. And that guy did not shun food like you do. The so so she was like, You judgy judgerson, right? And she said she said, of all the things that the guy liked, the the other priest from Europe, he liked the sago trees that produce flour, and he admired the sugar-giving buri palms, and he liked our coconut wine. 
and I hope you will appreciate the cordial pickles and preserves which, with some other gifts, for your acceptance in remembrance of the land of the Lisai, I have sent to your ship. So she already sent presents mm. to the ship mm. on behalf of their kingdom. Mm. But let us Andamian speech. But let us not but let us no more speak of our mistaken notions of your mistaken notions of us. We pride ourselves upon hospitality and you, a holy man, though you are, need to have no compunction of conscience in eating the food set before you. You have been told all about me. You know I am the governor of the sport in place of my brother because with my army of free women, slave girls, and female captives, all of whom fought just as well as any man could, I won a big battle. And you have heard it too. I am sure that I am still unmarried because I will marry no man except he who shall conquer me. And all the eligible suitors in this vicinity are afraid to try for fear of being beaten by a girl. Ah, so to your question, they didn't even try Mm. to beat her. Now tell me of Great India, which is which we know as Pepper Country. I want to hear all about it. So now she's like, okay, now stop your protestations. I gave you gifts. Obviously, I could kick your ass. So now you have to tell me a story. <laughs> tell me all about the Great India, which we know as the Pepper Country. I want to hear all about it. And what the little I know has fascinated me. Would there be any chance if I should go with war, to war with India of my getting... It's great wealth and great forces attract me. She's like, what if I invade <laughs> them? Is it worth conquering? Would, it, would I? Would I? Would I get stuff? Would I get like more spices? And then the Arab replied. He said, "Do so, do so. Go, go invade." <laughs> Ibn, Which Arab? Uh, Ibn Ibn mm. Batudana. So he said, "Yeah, go ahead, do so." So she enjoyed they eventually all came and they all hung out Mm. and she did enjoy their company a lot so when they left and went off they gave him robes two elephant loads of rice two elephant loads of rice how many sacks of rice is that (laughs) two buffaloes ten ships is an elephant load a load that's equivalent to the weight of an elephant or a load that an elephant can carry important question I think Either way, it's going to be big. Because I think an <laughs> elephant can carry his weight in something, right? There's, there's like a figure like that, that they're like really, really, really strong. So two buffaloes, 10 ships. She gave him 10 ships, four martabans or a large jar, four large jars of pepper, ginger, lemons, mangoes, all of them salted, for these to be brought around for the sea voyages. Mm, mm. So that was the account of Ibn Batula. And that was very strategic on her part. I don't yeah. think, by the way... So I get it that she did it because she was offended. But I yeah. think she is smart enough to know this is a very big expeditionary mm-hmm. crew. They're going to pass along tales of where they've been. Yes. So first, I can't let them leave with the notion there are infidels in this kingdom. I want stories of my great wealth. Yes. Hence the gifts. Hence the... So I don't think she was like angry. She's probably like mocking them. Yeah. And like very... But still very diplomatic. It's more of like, look how powerful I am. But at the same time, I was was of two minds about this, right? Mm. Is it risky for her to say we have these great treasures? with the risk of people might invade her but i think the myth of her own strength yeah this whole piece of no one has conquered me yeah and i got an all-girl army like she 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 enumerated specific so or maybe it's like even our women are that strong like if her if their women are this strong how strong are the men yeah yeah. Right. And no so it was very actually strategic on her part. I think I it have was very smart. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I think because she, not, because see, there are accounts of her. Yes. Right. She put. She really made an impression on yes. these people. She's down in like history. Yeah. So. And also, clever. I think she also was smart enough to know that that the that the myths and stories travel literally because like her father was visited once by a priest from Europe. And so that, I think, stuck with her, right? In terms of, like, what people found valuable in terms of, in terms of trade. No, I'm sure that's how she heard of other kingdoms yeah, and, and that's how like she that. knew other languages, mm-hmm. too. So I'm, like, very impressed because Turkey is not near. 
Mm. And Arabic is not an easy language to, to learn. So mm. let's talk about the guy who wrote about it. And it's rare that we get a primary source, right? Mm. Usually for these stories... It's a primary source, it's not like Western. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he is Western. Well, yeah. it's no, if he's West. from Turkey, it's both. It's Eastern. A non-white. <laughs> a non-white person, yes. An Islam, an Islam perspective. Yeah. The thing about it though, when Jordan Clark was writing about it, he had originally written a piece that had like a pantheon of gods and goddesses. And he put Urdurha as a goddess. Oh, and then okay. people came to him and said, like, you should take her off that list because she's not a myth. She was a real person. Ah. And that's when he started to do his deep dive of, okay. of Urduha as, as a historical figure. So, yun yeah. So, like, one of the, what, the, the source that we got was Ibn Batula. And he is, he traveled, it's, I don't know how they did this math, but he totaled 117,000 kilometers of travel or 73,000 miles. I don't know if that's going and coming back. Or Probably. like a total, a Probably. total, right? 73,000 miles. So it's, he surpassed this Chinese explorer. It would be total, yeah. Marco Polo only traveled 24,000 kilometers. So she was like 53,000 kilometers more than Marco Polo. And it, he traveled over a period of 30 years. And so he visited most of southern Eurasia, including Central Asia, the Mongols, Southeast Asia, South Asia, China, the Iberian Peninsula, so Spain and Portugal. And near the end of his life, he wrote a book, which I think would be a good reference for us to read if it's not hard to read. It's commonly known as the Rila, R-I-H-L-A, but the long title is a gift to those who contemplate the wonders of the cities in the marvels of traveling. Nice. Right? Rila. 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 Yes. So. Isn't it like in Arabic you pronounce the H with a little. Like, Rila. Rila. Something like Ahmed. Rihla. Ahmed. Bahrain. Lakhain. <laughs> so Sorry, guys. <laughs> in Philippines, that sound is called a dahak. Dahak. Guttural yeah. H. So let's talk about the theories, right? So theories the, about theories about the history of Urduha. Was she real? Was she not? Mm. Is Even there if, any other special account or adventure that she did? That's the thing. There aren't. There, there aren't are a lot of like they say she won a lot of epic battles, but which ones? With whom? Against whom? Mm. There doesn't seem to be the other side of that coin. Like Ibn see, Batuta, this is her miss. Like she needed the the commission a chronicler of yeah. her adventures, right? She needed, you know... Like, what? who was the one who... Uh, Alexander the Great yeah, had, for, like, some guy follow him around. Who was it? Anyway, okay. Pigafetta? No. But that's Magellan's. <laughs> Epictetus. I don't know. But the thing about this is, she didn't... Um, Ibn Batula didn't say, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I went to China and they were talking about her, too. Mm. There aren't a lot of those. And so, I... Uh, though she was famous, I don't hear any, like accounts or haven't seen any accounts there might be okay. let us know folks in Pangasinan if there have been any other accounts Calisthenes Calisthenes so so that's the story of Herduha and unfortunately there aren't a lot of accounts of the battles that she fought the guys that she turned down you know there's a lot of fictionalization but mm. I, I haven't seen any other um, accounts but a lot of scholars have been trying to demystify, you know, did she exist, did she not, and try to figure out where she existed and how. Mm. So Jose Rizal, okay. in the late 19th century, speculated, and he did the math, he, he speculated that Princess Urduha, that this, the kingdom of Tawalisi was mm-hmm. indeed in, in that part of the Philippines because of the time it took. From even for Ibn Batuta to sail from China to, to China from Sal, Sal, Talib, Tawalisi, another historian of the University of the Philippines, Who? Austin Craig, American, and he wrote an account called "The Particulars of the Philippines' Pre-Hispanic, Pre-Spanish Past," mm. and he also confirmed that it also is in Pangasinan. So I guess a lot of folks in Pangasinan sort of just embraced it mm-hmm. and, and, and have treated it as fact. Okay. So Do they have like monuments of her in Pangasinan? They or do. Ooh, the okay. governor's house, and I'll show you a picture in Lingayen, which is I would assume is the capital, is called the Urduha House. And check it out. 
Wow. Look at those seeds. The, the so roots. they made it Javanese looking as yes, well. To respect yes. like the roots. Yeah. So that's Sorry, the Sorry. So she's showing me a picture of like a mansion. And the reason I said it looks Javanese is because the ends of the... So the corners of the roof are like turned so, up. Which is a very particular feature in a lot Indonesia. of Javanese yeah. architecture. Yep. Yeah. So there, that so that's called the Orduha House. And then one of the famous tourist destinations in Pangasinan is called the Hundred Islands, and it's it's a national park. And in this little bay, there's tons of these little little itty bitty islands. That it's not a hundred. I think it's something closer to forty nine. <laughs> but they call it the Hundred Islands. There is a monument of Princess Orduha as well there. And she is included in, in, in Philippine textbooks studying that the, we used to study in grade school. Princess Ardua is in the list of great Filipino. I've never heard of her though. Like, I, I did. Did you hear about her in school? Mm-hmm, I did because we did. It probably wasn't Women's Month, but possibly it was Women's Month. But it was like about, we did like a drill down of Philippine heroes. Mm. I think it was in fourth grade, like Filipina he- mm. heroes. Theodora. Mm. Or maybe if we did, I just didn't register. Maybe. I think I remember I was very young. Mm. Yeah. I think cause I think it's just cause that you don't really know what she did. Mm -hmm. Like. It wasn't like the great epics. I wish there was a great epic. Yeah. But there wasn't a great epic. A lot of times, right? When you try to note down heroic accounts, you there is a specific event or specific achievement. I think um, for her, the specific achievement and the thing she was really most known for was the fact that she would not marry anyone who didn't defeat her. It's not her. an achievement. Well, well, I guess it's an achievement for some people, yeah. to be fair. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a, what did she do for the kingdom? Yeah, what for did the history she, of the Philippines. Exactly. Like, yeah. who did they conquer? No, nothing. Not, no, no theories or maybe there are no So there are no historic accounts of the Tawalisi kingdom. Mm-mm. That's sad, isn't it? Right? Right. So I guess it is one of those things where I am sure and, and, for our and kingdom, by the way, the accounts that we are relying on was not even a Filipino account. So that's what I was getting at. Yeah. I'm sure that for a kingdom as rich and prosperous as this, it's impossible that they didn't have written accounts. Okay, so this is the thing. This is the theory. So it was purged or something? It might have been a different country altogether. No, okay. So let's get one thing straight. Yeah. There was no such thing as a Philippines. Yes, yes, yes. No, no. Right? No, no. I mean, it might have been a different part of the world okay. altogether. No, I'm not even talking about why don't we have Philippine accounts. Oh, yes, it. yes, yes. It's yes, more, yes, yes. why are there no first-hand accounts yes. from the actual people of yes. this kingdom that yes. we have? And yeah. obviously, we go back to, was it because if it was indeed in the Philippines, was this part of the purge, yeah. right? So yeah. when the... Spanish came and colonized. They burned all written records and stuff Mm. like that. And it's sad. And it makes sense because Central Luzon and Manila is where they made their base. Yep. Right? Yep. It was a prosperous area. A lot of ports there. Mm. Very strategic location. First thing they do. And the first people who were very much integrated into Spanish culture were the Tagalogs and the Kapampangans. Right? In fact... That's when the whole mestizo yes. classification came about, which is half Spanish, half Filipino. Yes. There's this also, we can probably get into this in a separate episode, but there's like different classifications of like insulares, peninsulares, and stuff yeah. like that. Mestizo, and Pinoy. They, they in Philippines, we're actually Spanish people born in Philippines. Mm. They weren't Filipinos weren't the natives. Because the natives were Indios. Because who would be under Philip? Yeah, King, King Philip. Philip yeah. But the Spaniards, right? Yeah. And again, it wasn't a country, it was a colony. So kind of like saying, you know, I'm a Texan mm. but I'm an American. But yeah. I'm actually Texan. So it's like I'm Filipino but yeah. I'm Spanish. Yeah. So hmm. anyways, or another another possible thing was something to unpack been, later. Right. No, because it's a lot of we won't get into this here, but it's like it question it makes you question a lot of like your identity because you identify as a Filipino, but you do know that there's this weird context for what a Filipino is and what the country mm. is, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're I was talking about this yesterday also with 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 our friends who are based in the U.S. and how there's a lot of conversations in the U.S. about reclam- reclaiming and decolonizing. Decolonizing. Yeah, and about and about 
using terms that were previously used for other purposes and repurposing them in a way that we can own, like re, you know, reclaiming, reclaiming certain per- terms like Filipino. So let's go back to mm. how this was investigated, sort of like the methodology of it. And I of mentioned Rizal? Of, of Rizal and the other historians. Okay. So why people think that it is actually Pangasinan. And so this is, I said, it's like agricultural forensics. And I'm, I don't think it's a thing, but I like to call it that. So let's look at the gifts that Urduha gave, right? Okay. Urduha gave gifts of rice, buffaloes, ginger, pepper, lemons, mangoes, and salt. And they are abundant in Pangasinan, but also in India. So, the, the, so that's why geographically, that was the area that they had. But what were also accounts of the people in the region, in the nearby region, that could help support this myth or mm-hmm. this story not myth but like story the Ibaloy people they have an oral tradition so passed down about a woman named Udayan Udayan ah, who okay. ruled in an ancient alliance of lowland and highland settlements in Pagasinan in the neighboring province of Benguet because the Ibaloy are an ethnic group found in Benguet yes yeah. yes and then even wow, that's very wide though. Right? So it's that's huge, why they say no? that's why they say the upper and the lower lands, yes. right? Because Benguet is both at the very north northern end of the Philippines and northern, also, but also up. Highland elevation yeah. wise, right? In yes. the mountain province. Yes. Mm. So they uh, and then Ibn Batuta said that she had knowledge of Turkic language, which means she was in contact with foreigners, right? So Tawalisi was said to be in contact with also of Mongol ruled Yuan China. So the Turkic language may actually have been Mongolian. So she had trade with China, but, but China at that time was ruled by, but an area of China was ruled by the Mongols because this was Ming Dynasty. Mm-hmm. So when she was speaking Arabic, it could have been Turkic. She said Turkic, but it could have been Mongolian mm, instead, which is, sense. which is, there's overlap, mm-hmm. but it could have been a, a completely separate language. Again, with the animals and the fruits, he said that he, they were given two elephant, elephant loads of rice, right? So his travel account suggests that he also saw elephants in the land ruled by Urduha. And elephants can still be found in Borneo and may have been gifts or traded to Pangasinan in earlier times because elephants are not indigenous to Pangasinan. And ancient Malayo-Polynesian sailing vessels such as the Balangay, which we mentioned before, the Balangay or the base for Barangay, is like certain vessels used by the ancient tribe of Bugis. Bugis is an ancient tribe. They depicted... Sorry, the reason that Anna was making that you know excited sound excited sound is Bugis is a place in Singapore it's a neighborhood I need to contextualize some of your explanation (laughs) (laughs) yes so Bugis Bugis is a place and apparently it's a tribe so the Bugis tribe had Ba or Bass reliefs that depicted these boats that used to sail in the area Mm. and they would carry heavy cargo like elephants Mm. so that supports the theory of she traded with Borneo so that the elephants can be brought to Pangasinan. And so that was like, I think that's pretty impressive that you have barges and boats and ships big enough to transport mm. from each place. I mean, it, it kind of like, I'm trying to think of like what Pangasinan could have, that area could have represented from a civilization development standpoint right again as we said it's very strategic it's mm-hmm. at the, Gulf, it's the western Gulf. end big port right on the North luzon island so very easy access it's one of the very easy to access ports from yeah. to china to india to borneo etc and it's a good location because you have the best of both worlds. You have a very good like fishing industry mm-hmm. until today, right? There's yes. a lot of fishing industry that happens in Pangasinan. But also, as I said, Pangasinan is right next to what is modern day Pampanga and Bulacan yeah. and Bataan, which, well, for are they still called the rice bowl of the, the Philippines, right? Philippines, so you yeah. know that you have very good mix of agriculture and fishery and trade and trade. Yeah. So it makes sense that this is where a very prosperous kingdom, kingdom. could be. Yeah. And it's a plain, so you yeah. don't have those to, you know challenges of going up the topography. mountains. Topography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Topography. Topography and <laughs> yeah. by the way, 
you could be more easily guarded because you're not like a tiny island mm-hmm. or something. And it's a gulf. Yeah. So it's it's uh, protected in other places, and it's also on the western side. So not a, a lot, lot of, of storms. storms. Yeah. 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 It is in the area that avoid. Because where would there be such a rich and prosperous kingdom? Obviously, Mindanao is also one. Yes. Um, big one. Yes, yes. The mountains, though, not prosperous, but like protected. But so you mentioned it was part of the Sri Visayan Empire, yes. right? Which means she was one kingdom of many kingdoms. Yes. Do you know what the other kingdoms are? I like, don't know. Can we know. place it today? The I it says as it's as if it was part of the Majapahit Empire. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Related to, but the Majapahit is more Java. Java Island. Well, it makes sense if yeah. that's what where yeah. we're placing this overall. Yeah. Okay. I, I, we could do it like a So, aside dive. from Philippines, where's the like next contender for where this could be? Java. Java. Because all the gifts that we talked about mm, are and also elephants indigenous are in, to... to the Java area. And then Chinese re- records so, uh, of the Asian commodity. So, the Chinese ancestors wrote things down. And they said that all of these commodities can also be found in Java during the Majapahit area. It's because of the Javanese merchants traveling as far as Ghana Mm -hmm. since the 8th century. So they may have gotten the elephants from Ghana. While the original name of the Duchess of the said land, of this Javanese land, was originally spelled in Arabic by Ibn Battuta as W-H-R-D-J in his Rila book, it might have been misread as Urduha instead, instead of reading it as Wari Daja. So this is a little bit of visual, right? So he wrote, he wrote Urduha as this W H R space D J, which people could have read as Urduha. But so are you saying even Baduta's handwriting is bad? No, I'm just saying that there are letters that don't correspond. I'm yes, he has bad Arabic <laughs> handwriting. But yeah, so but it could have been read as Urduha, which I get. But it could also have been Wahre Daja, mm-hmm. which also is can be read Wahre as Wahre Daja yes. or Bre Daha. Bre Daha. Bre is a title is a princess or duchess. Makes sense. So it could have been Princess Daha. So when so we can't say Princess Urduha. We just have to say Urduha. Yes. Right? Because it's like saying that's... it's like saying ATM machine. Yes. <laughs> or oh, what was that other one? Chaiti. Yeah. <laughs> Chaiti is Titi. Yeah. But so who was this? If it was Bre Daha, who who was Bre Daha and was she a real person? So Bredaha was a title given to Dayawiyat. You can do it. Which literally means, are you ready for this? Princess Vagina. <laughs> so Bredaha was the sister, twin sister of Brekahuripan. And they what were is her? it's it also says it's also her her name is also Kediri. Hmm? I don't know. It doesn't say what, what the, the her name means. So both duchesses were daughters of rulers, and when they died, the two girls were the twin rulers of the kingdom, and they were both given the title of Majapahit Empress. Okay. So the theory, another theory, is Urduha is actually a misspelling of Gitarja, who was also, who was their mom, the twins' mom. Okay. So... That could have been her. She was the queen regent of Majapahit. So the tradition mentioned her as a woman of extraordinary valor, wisdom, and intelligence. And the Javanese text mentioned her as a brave woman, even riding into battle herself. So that was a theory. But she wasn't, they weren't known, the mom or the twin girls weren't known to be warriors. They Mm. were just brave and noble and good rulers. So that's another thing. Java had been attacked by the Mongols, or at the time they are called the Tartars. Yes. So it's very clear that Java at the time, especially the royal court, had been linguistically influenced by the Turkic-speaking Tartars. Thus, Bredaha, the one of the princesses, could have known Turkic as well. Okay. So it could have been her, mm. but that doesn't really support the warrior component okay. of it. And then, this is the most uh, controversial one. Okay. Was it all made up? The entire book of Ibn Batala. 
was it all but, 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 batuta. Batuta. batuta was it all made up mm-hmm. it has been speculated that he had plagiarized entire sections of his description of China <gasps> lifted from works of other authors <gasps> there's a scholar and he writes that there, Ralph Elgar was his name that there are numerous indications of his account was not based on his own observations uh, yes, for example, the case of descriptions of rulers who verifiably governed before or after Batuta's time lifetime. So there are many inconsistencies. So like, for example, he wrote about rulers that either were not alive yet or were long dead. And he said uh-huh. he had met them. And also there's inconsistencies in geographical details, which is most, what is most striking is also resemblances to other writings of other pilgrimage accounts. So there's a writer named, and his works, in many pages of his work, were either slightly reworked or copied word for word. Further, there were two... Was it someone who lived like long before him or in the same... Recently. They were contemporaries. They were contemporary. So one could say it's kind of like two journalists writing about the same thing mm-hmm. but again it's it's copying so further there are other two writers Rashid Al Din Tabib and Marco Polo has a lot of extremely similar por- wait I have to I lost it okay so there are other writers like Rashid Al Din Tabib and Marco Polo and their writing is extremely similar in certain sections particularly so one similarity is if you have watched uh, HBO's Marco Polo, there is a character there named she's a female Mongol lo- lo- warrior named Kutulun, mm-hmm. and Brian Brian watched the whole thing. I did not watch it. So Kutulun was the daughter of a ruler. She was reigning the realms of Western Mongolia to Oxus from Central Siberian Plateau to India. Okay. So her dad was the ruler of this kingdom, and she was a superb warrior. One who could ride into enemy ranks and snatch a captive as easily as a hawk snatches a chicken. Wait, where is this? Mongolia. Mongolia. She assisted her father in many battles, particularly against the Yuan government, Yuan Dynasty. Remember Yuan Dynasty around this time, or before, right before the time of Orduha, against the great, the great Kublai Khan. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that makes it similar. Kutulun insisted that any man who wished to marry her must defeat her in wrestling. And winning horses from competitions and wagers would be suitors. She said that she gathered a hearse, herd numbering 10,000. Meaning, every time a guy tried to defeat her, they had to give her horses. Mm. And in the end... Hey, that's a good that's a good con. Right? I love it. And that's why she had... She's, she ended enter- up, she's an enterprising individual. Yes, yes. But she married. Okay. She married, actually. And her husband was a handsome man who failed to assassinate her father and was taken prisoner. And others referred to him as someone else's companion. So they said Kutulun fell in love with a Mongol ruler of Persia on top of her husband. And Kutulun was the favorite daughter and he always sought advice from her for political support. So they're saying that the reason why this is very similar is because she is like a um, warrior a warrior princess mm-hmm. who had the same contest of strength. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's so particular to one person because why have we heard so many stories? Like I remember now the Greek one, Atlanta. Yes. Ah, okay. Remember yeah, yeah, yeah. she? Yeah. She is. She's a princess mm-hmm. in, in Greek mythology. She was also very re- well known for her beauty, but also her strength, her mm-hmm. athleticism. Mm-hmm. So she said, "I'll only marry someone who will defeat me." And I guess she raised them or something I, yeah. because I remember. The thing was Aphrodite wanted her to get married or something. So yeah. she gave the guy golden apples. Yeah. So when they were racing, the guy would just like drop the apples. Mm-hmm. And then she'd be like, ooh, gold. Ooh. It's so distracting. And then she would go. Shiny. <laughs> Shiny. I mean, could work if it were me. <laughs> Shiny. She would pause to like pick it up. Pick it up and, and it was like defeated. three apples. And that's how she got defeated. So yeah. as a motif. It's not uncommon. It's not. It's really not. And and there are Nordic stories, as I mentioned about yeah. it. I'm sure there's Latin American stories, like also you know Merida in Disney Brave. They, that was based of old on old Celtic mm. folklore as well. So, I 
I, I was kind of offended mm. that they that the 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 theory that he copied the story and made up a different cop story because ooh in this 200 year time it's only possible that only one kingdom in Asia could have had a princess who was a warrior princess. Exactly. I was offended. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like one of those things where they're just like Um, too lazy to like differentiate between things, and so like yeah, it's all the same thing probably. Yeah, they just copied as if it was impossible that two two similar things could happen in different places 100 years apart. Is there a is there a name for that? Remember we were talking about Capre being like an amalgamation yeah. of like goats and many other so giants. So Capre as a term is like a combination of very similar sounding tales, but you know the chroniclers at the time were just too lazy to mm-hmm. really differentiate it so they just said oh it's all the same as a capre yeah. same thing for an encanto yeah. being like any magical being mm-hmm. is an encanto mm-hmm. and then I saw I forgot where I saw this but there's a very interesting parallel with like like when ah, yeah, when yeah. colonizers came to India mm-hmm. and saw the different types of dishes that they have and the thing is they look very similar because the base of the spices mm-hmm. and you know The, the vegetables stewing. that they use are very similar. The texture yeah. similar, but they're very different yes. things, right? Yeah. But you know, they're just called curry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 even and you know, completely like, different cultures like Japan would have a curry, still called curry. Yeah, yeah. But could be I. But no, I think it's so different. Them, some of them actually use the curry leaf. Yes. Of where you get the name, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it's just it's just interesting how, you know, a lot of things we take for granted are sometimes just oversimplified concepts. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Yeah. So so I I would like to believe that Princess Urduha was real. Okay. And that she or, was. Or Urduha. Urduha. Yes. Is 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 the title as yes. well? So mm. I would like to believe that Urduha was a real person and that that she really. Did exist and rule. Is even even Batuta's account the only account of her? Yes, ah. that's the thing. Like I was saying, right? Like it's it's just like one guy. But hey, Marco Polo has a certain accounts that that he was the only one who wrote. Mm-hmm. But also like ridiculous ones. Like he talked about two-headed lions or whatever. And so, so you take that with a grain of salt. So I take even Batuta's, you know, also with a grain of salt. But. I think the people have just embraced her story so much, especially in Pangasinan. And so, you know, why one of the parts that one of the discussions that Jordan Clark wrote about is like, why does she persist as a story, right? And why did she really exist? And even if she didn't exist, why does it? Why are people still tra- treating it as fact? And she's sort of mythologized already because it's so rare. It's so rare that even if we are largely matriarchal. Historically, society, we don't have a ton of epic heroes and you know stories that are women. We do have a few. So a few. Oh yes, yes, after, yes, yes. After our um, Biag ni Lam Am episode. episode got released, someone actually wrote to us and said that actually there are accounts of female epic Epics. heroes. So like, we're excited about that. Yeah. So in a future episode, you might hear yay, about that. Yay! Yay! So I'm excited. So tell me about like other depictions of her now. Yes, so there's like so the amount of people and, and pieces of work that have been created in comics and short stories are actually hundreds, wow. literally hundreds. So it's great because it really captures the imagination, right? Yeah, like yeah. a warrior princess, a warrior princess in like pre-colonial times who travels a lot. Yeah. She was When, like, if she was modern day, she'd be an influencer. Yeah, she's no. so <laughs> she'd be like the royal fam. She would be the the cool royal fam. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> okay, she'd be like no because she's a warrior. She's a she's a no one can beat her. Like really, I think I think that's really impressive. That it's like if someone in the royal family turned out to be like a crossfitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's like she's like the best of two worlds. Epic epic warrior, but also beautiful, smart, kind, and a polyglot. Beauty, brains, and brawn—all in one. I love that. But the modern ones, the modern retellings, and the the most commonly known ones were the movies. So, in as I mentioned, in 1974, there was a movie of Urduha, and I'll show uh, I saw a couple of photos. 
We'll post it. And on we'll the post it. IG. So Amalia Fuentes played Urduha, and she's the she is the aunt of like Nino Mulak <laughs> and Agumulak, and she is Urdu Princess Urduha. Check out her outfits. <laughs> wow. I know, right? And then Zaldi Jornach. It's a name. He's the the Aita tribe, and so that's a little bit of blackface, which I think is problematic. Vic Vargas was hot as a fake uh, love interest who did Ooh. not exist. And Chiquito, Chiquito, Talk Chiquito about... was Limahong. Limahong, I think, was a fictional fi- figure. Yeah. So yeah, so Chiquito, a young Chiquito, seemed like the bad guy for the story. Interesting. It's great. It's 1974. Right? Wow. In 19... There was so also... So did Amalia Fuentes do her own stunts? Important question. <laughs> That's a good question. We'll tweet at her. There was also a live-action adventure film, which I couldn't find any photos from, from 1942. Oh, wow. 1942, or Duha. And then the one that is more more recent was in 2008, or Duha was an animated feature that sort of had... It, it was, was like a of, musical. It was vibe, like a musical. Right? It was like Disney-ish. Was it produced by GMA? It was produced by GMA. It was supposed to be a series, pala. It okay. was supposed to be a full series, but I guess funding and technology eh, were constrained. Okay. So they couldn't have it all. And we'll we'll post screenshots of of that of that cartoon. We might do a live reaction. React. Let's watch. see. <laughs> it stars Regine Velasquez, Asia Songbird, as the. As, as princess, as, as the princess herself. The music and lyrics. Does she have like a song like "What I Love Most About Rivers Is"? <laughs> don't step in the same river twice. What's the water's changing. The anyway, so wait, come on. <laughs> Are all Let, my dreams we all... at an end? <laughs> We're always singing. So speaking of singing, you know who wrote the lyrics? Why didn't she like? Sorry, I can't. Why did Pocahontas not pick one? He's super hot. He is so hot. And John Smith was kind. Kind of a whip. Anyway, I don't know. so he didn't dig the mohawk. He's like, you're so, <laughs> so cool. You're so common. She was like, why? Why, why are you so tall and hot? <laughs> so I like that he had those bear paws on his chest. Yeah. It was so hot. Okay. Cool. So music, the music, the lyrics of the songs were written by Joey De Leon, who's a famous comedian. And the music was composed by Ogie Alcacid, mm. who is the husband of Regine Velasquez. Yeah. Other notable people who were there, Cesar Montano was was Lim Hang, which is a Chinese warrior. Yeah, the who, one played by Chiquito in the Yeah, thing. but he was he was more of a romantic interest in this. And of course they don't end up together. Spoiler! <laughs> Eddie Garcia was the dad. Johnny Delgado was also there as another bad guy. There was a character named Daisuke. Like a Japanese yeah, guy? Yeah, like a Japanese Daisuke, by, played by Epi Kison. The best friend was named Mayumi, and she was Mayumi, which is... What is Mayumi in, in English? Like, mm-hmm. Mayumi is like... Feminine. Feminine, okay. And she was played by Ruby Rodriguez, famous comedian. Rapper Michael V was an animal called Kutkut. Alan Kay was a tarsier. And Jay Manalo who is a sexy star, was also one of the men <laughs> interests there. And then this one I really liked. In 2000s, in the late 2000s, there was a scientist named Eleanor Helen, and she discovered several planets. So actually, not several, like I think 200 planets. Uh-huh. And one of the minor planets is called 5749 Orduha. Oh, nice. Yeah, and other planets were, I think, named after all uh, other mythological figures of Greek and Greek mythology, but one of them was named uh, Orduha. I'm looking at the poster for the theatrical release of the animated film, mm-hmm. Orduha, mm-hmm. and it's like a blend of Mulan and Pocahontas, Pocahontas. animation. I believe and then it. they're also like, was this a, is this a Tarshir? Yes. Like a, a talking Tarshir? Yeah, Alan Kay, the a comedian. <laughs> The comedian. So he's the talking Tarshir, mm-hmm. and then there's a talking mouse. Okay. Yes, that's good. That's cute. That's Michael V. 
I love it. I love. Okay, yeah. we have to watch this. We do. We have to watch it. The songs were not half bad, and the action sequences. But yes, yeah, so this is the story of Arduha. I do wish that there were there are a lot of books on her fictionalization. There is so much art. Mm-hmm. That has been made. Um, I know about her, and it's gorgeous. A lot of it is super, super gorgeous. And so I do, I do hope that if there are no more primary sources that we can find, maybe we can then take the stories and and flesh them out a little bit more and give them further context. You know, there mm-hmm. is there is a Marco Polo TV show, which has Kutulun was like a big part of it. Why can't there be like a Sri Visayan Empire series which includes Urduha as one of the characters, true, right? True. I also like that a part of the story of Urduha is that she's from a matriarchal line. Like mm-hmm. that is so fascinating to me that like if indeed this is one of like the most prosperous kingdoms of what we mm-hmm. now know today as the Philippines, it's fascinating to me that also may be proof of the matriarchal, you know, origins of, of our society. I think though, I mean, there are still matriarchal lines in the Philippines, in Palawan. There's a tribe in Palawan where it's only matriarchal. So children are taking care of multiple fathers and property is only inherited through the mother mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and to the daughter. So it's not really... But it's not so a warring tribe. It's super interesting, right? It's 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 not a warring tribe, but I but honestly, I mean, why would DNA, they be warring now? <laughs> I don't know. That's true. That's true. Like they're chill, or maybe that's why they're not warring. Because maybe that's why they survive. Maybe that's <laughs> they why they're okay. warring tribes. Yeah, but but I think I mean, as an aside, matriarchal societies. That was the only way to make sense about who the father was of who the who the parent was is through the mom because the only real way to verify exactly exactly yeah so yeah so that's my that's my Urduha story I love it I love it so much if there are I, I know there's dozens and not if not hundreds of depictions of Urduha in pop history there are songs even of Urduha in pop history is there fan fiction there is is there there is Leslie there is there is LBGTQ and even pansexual. There's there was a fan. It wasn't a fanfic. It was a short story where all her retinues were her lovers. I love it. Right. If there are any stories that you feel that we 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 would like, particularly if there was like a story from a tribe in Sulu that say, yeah yeah no we did trade with Urduha, or like some Mongol account and they said yeah 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 no we know Urduha. She was she was that lady who gave us mangoes one time. Mm. I would love to hear from that. So in the end, what I didn't, what I forgot to say was, a lot of people are criticizing even Batuta's um, accounts. But you know why? Also... Because for me, let's say if she did trade with China or trade with Borneo, right? Or if she was from that Japanese area, why are there no accounts from those places? Yeah, yeah. There right? are accounts of those princesses, those twin princesses. Like there's even like yeah. bas relief of yeah. her yeah. in Java, but not of Urduha, but. But the, the people who are criticizing even Batuta's accounts look at other aspects of his accounts and they are finding archaeological relics mm. that support it. Okay. Geographic point in time, usage of certain tools, usage of certain you know pottery and cookware, mm. and evidence that a civilization was in a certain place at a certain time. Yeah. So, you know, what, but, but my heart breaks to think that what if he just wrote 80% of it and then just copied the 20% of or it? Or is this the case of history is written by the victors? Yeah. And at some point, her kingdom Lost. and her reign just ended. Um, it didn't say she had kids, so maybe. Right? Right. Possible. No one carried it across. Mm-hmm. So sad. Okay. So very yes. nice. Yay. Very nice. So that's, that's uh, one important female figure mm-hmm. in history slash myth thank you thank you guys we hope you enjoyed it Yay. let us know what you think and do you know any other secret princesses from history <laughs> that we should know about yeah till next time bye, bye.